Thank you, Bloomington Bible Church, for letting me deliver the word to you today. Um, I have a lot of affection for Bloomington, so it's even fun being down here. Uh, we spent about eight years here, and that's where my wife and I met. So my wife's over there, Sarah, and our four kids were in the area as well. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes 3 today. Ecclesiastes 3. And we're going to see how far we can go through it, but we'll go at least through verse 15. I'm going to pray for us as we open God's Word. Father, we thank you that your Word tells us things that are mysterious and that we would not understand them if you did not reveal them to us. But when you do, we see, yeah, that's right. That's exactly how this world is. And, and not only is it true, but it's good. And so I pray that you would shine your light through your spirit on Ecclesiastes 3 and uh, teach us what it is that you want us to learn from it today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to get to reading uh, the verses in just a second, but, but I want to think about the concept that we're going to dig into. It's so like, why did I pick Ecclesiastes 3? Okay. So let's get our heads around the idea of time. Time. Okay. So if you have a watch... Or if you don't, you can just look at mine and imagine that you have a watch. You've seen a watch. There's a clock over there. Every second that's moving, right, that's time passing. And what we're going to do in about 30 seconds is we're going to try So we're trying to picture right now. In 30 seconds, there's going to be a version of you that's going to be still sitting in that seat. And it's, it, it's hard to picture that, right? You're like, what is that person going to be like? This is this future me. And, and in 15 seconds, that person's going to come speeding past us. And in 10 seconds, that person's going to be behind us. So, so see if, if when that person, that, that moment passes by, that you're able to capture it. Three, two, one. Hey, it's already gone. That person that we were imagining, that future person, that's already actually behind us. And actually, it keeps getting further and further behind us to the point where the memories are starting to fade a little bit. Like, I bet you can't, you, you can remember the substance of what Joel just said, but can you remember every single word that was said? And how much more what was said last Sunday from this spot, right? So life is always speeding past us. So here's what Ecclesiastes 3 wants us to accept today. Part of being a creature is that everything is constantly becoming the past. And maybe this is easy for you to accept. Maybe that's just like, okay, well, yeah, right? But I don't think that's true. I think there's a reason that this is in the Bible. Because we don't act like it's true. We, we act like time is something that we're supposed to be able to bottle up and keep, and then we get frustrated when it, it keeps moving past us. Let me give an example. So in 2016, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Yeah. I don't know how many of you care about that, but there's a select few of us that this was really important to us. So like, I was one of those. I grew up in the Chicago area. This team hadn't won the World Series in over 100 years. This is a long time. That's a lot of time that's passed. And in that 100 plus years, they had spent billions of dollars, maybe trillions. They had expended countless hours of people's lives and attention, all for one glorious moment when Anthony Rizzo caught that last out and they celebrated, and they did it. They actually won. And for that moment, and for a little while after, it was, it was a lot of fun. There were some of us who were up till like two in the morning, stayed up till three, just to kind of bask in it a little bit longer. But at some point, 
you had to go to sleep, you had to wake up the next day, and by the next morning, if you were to like check the internet, or if you listen to talk radio, what's everyone talking about? What do they, what do they need to do to win it next year, right? So already, it's starting to, to move further and further into the past, and you're going, okay, what's next? What's next? Since that time, six other teams have already won the World Series. Almost every player from that team is gone. There's one left, they've all moved on to other things. And now, quite frankly, they're just not very good. Okay. So you know, pick your high point if you're a sports fan or if, if um, you can just remember something that was like the pinnacle, something that you, you saw after, right? Maybe something near, maybe you were really into like speech team in high school and you won something, right? So what, what was the pinnacle? That's what we're trying to get at here. You can go back and you can try to relive that moment in your mind. You can maybe even watch some highlights that make you happy. But at the end of the day, it becomes more and more obvious, even when you watch those highlights, that that time is in the past. Like even now when I watch highlights of it, which sometimes every year it's fun to do, it's like, oh man, that was, that, that was a long time ago. You know, their clothes don't even fit the same way. And that, that didn't feel the same way when I was watching it. All of this, what, what we're trying to bottle up this feeling that I want to keep us in for a bit, is, is what Ecclesiastes calls hevel, vapor. So if you've spent any time in Ecclesiastes lately, that's a word that gets used regularly. Ecclesiastes refers to life as vapor, hevel. Is this frustrating at all? Are any of you sitting here like, okay, why are we sitting here dwelling on this? But that's what Ecclesiastes does. It confronts us with real life. It hits us right in the face with real life, but then it asks the question, and this is what's really important for us today. It doesn't just give real life, but, but then it, it compels the question, what's the point of doing anything at all if everything fades? What's the point of caring about anything, getting out of bed, raising your kids, doing anything important if in the end everything's going to fade? But it's at exactly at this point that as Christians, we have a hope that we get to cling to. Because we know the whole story of the Bible. We know where this ends. We know that Ecclesiastes 3 sits in a whole story of Scripture. And we know that the whole story of Scripture tells us that at the same time, everything is temporary, but also nothing is temporary. And both of those things are blessings at the exact same time. So Ecclesiastes 3 walks through these two points, marries them together, and teaches us that this is actually a blessing to us. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read the whole text, and then we're going to walk through those two different sides, and, and I'm going to try to bring out why is this actually a blessing to us. So here's Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 15. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made 
everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people before, fear before him. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. This is the word of the Lord. Would you say, thanks be to God. So let's walk through the first eight verses, because this kind of comes in two sections. First eight verses give the reality that everything is temporary. So that's what we're going to park in for a little while. So we kind of have to go into the deeps for a bit before we can get pulled back up, because that's the way the text reads. Everything is temporary. So right at the beginning, here's what Solomon hits us with. For everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. What, what he starts to do then, and, and you heard the repetition, is he walks through 14 different pairs of opposite life experiences that are there to illustrate for us that everything in life ends. So, so they're not meant to be an exhaustive uh, grouping of pairs, right? They're not meant to cover every single part of life. Sometimes they're a little vague what exactly they're talking about, and that's the point. They're, they're broadly applicable. There's a, the general idea that there are rhythms and temporary seasons to life, right? We know this. There's spring, there's summer, there's fall, and then there's winter again, and then we're back to spring. Kids, you're on summer break, and school's coming. That's an inevitability. Like, you're going back, and then there'll be another summer break, and then there'll be another school year, right? That's just kind of how it goes, and what Ecclesiastes is doing is it's it's just presenting. It's just saying, this is what is. It's not making a value judgment. It's just saying, this is what is. So let's walk through these pairs and try to pull out what might apply to us. Verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. So the very first one says most of what you need to say, right? We're all going to die. So we live and then we die. And regardless of whether we did or not, the sun just keeps rising, the sun just keeps setting, and this life just keeps moving. So even our life is a season. It's a rhythm. Right? But in our little season, our short life, we have other seasons that we go through. It says we, we plant, but then later we pluck up and go somewhere else. So you're in Bloomington. It's a very transient town. Maybe you, some of you experience this with people you know, or you yourselves, or Luke and Lindsay are getting ready to, to get out of here. You, you get the idea. You, you plant somewhere, and you make a home, and you make a family, and you make friends, and then there's another season where you've got to pluck up, and then you plant back down somewhere else. And, and while that first time was good, there's, there's always going to be some relational strain. It's going to be harder. Some of the memories are going to fade. You'll have affection when you go back, but it won't be the same. On to the next thing. That's what Ecclesiastes is simply saying. It's not saying good or bad. It's just saying this is life. Verse 3, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. Sometimes you're trying to set a broken arm, but then sometimes you're going to amputate it. 
just depends on the season, just depends on the time. Uh, there's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to uh, mourn, and a time to dance. We all know this, that life is not all joy, but we also know that life isn't all sorrow. Even if your life tends to lean towards one or the other, you know it's not always gonna be that way. Sometimes you laugh and you cry on the exact same day, maybe in the same hour or minute. That's just how it is. There's a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. Sometimes it's Christmas, and then sometimes you're dropping off those exact same toys at Goodwill. Sometimes you're getting a brand new whatever, you know, like car or technology, right? And then the new edition comes out, or you get a dent, and suddenly it's just not as shiny as it once was. If you're a, a bald man, I won't call you out, you actually can thank God that you have a, a wonderful picture of Ecclesiastes 3 staring at you every single day when you look in the mirror. You can say, I get to be a walking sermon illustration that reminds me <laughs> of realities, of really true realities, right? This is great. I love this. There's a time to tear and a time to sew. So you would be sad if that new shirt that you just got got a snag in it, right? But at the same time, if you had a heart attack, you'd want the paramedics to cut that shirt off to get to your heart. Just depends on the season. There's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So, fool, saying the same thing. Depending on the season, depending on the moment, you might speak, you might not speak. Scripture's clear on that. And then finally, verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. In general, we should pursue love and peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. And yet at the same time, God is a God of justice, and we live in a fallen world. And there are uh, reasonable and right times to take up the sword, to fight against evil and injustice. Just depends on the season. So if you're uh, particularly down right now, if you're coming into today and you're having a, a tough week, or maybe you've got a, um, just a sensitive conscience, you might be going, why in the world did I need to come to church to hear about this? This is pretty depressing. But here's the thing. We've said this before. Solomon is not trying to present this as if it's a bad thing. He's lowering us in a way, but it's, it's so that we can embrace what we struggle to embrace. And, and that's this. We are creatures. We are creatures made to inhabit time. These rhythms, these seasons, like those are on purpose. And yes, the fall has affected those. And yes, the fall has made it so that there are seasons of mourning and seasons of plucking up. But at the end of the day, we were always made to inhabit time. And the sooner we recognize that we're creatures, that's, that's the quickest path to, to getting out of frustration from wondering why time is always passing us by or why seasons are always changing. When we embrace that we're creatures, it's a blessing because then when things are out of control, you can go, oh, okay, yeah, that's how it always was. That's what I'm supposed to be. I'm not in control. COVID, what a wonderful illustration for all of us to, to, to lower us, to help us recognize how frail and creaturely we are. All it takes is one little virus to not only knock out a bunch of us individually, but to take down a whole civilization, right? Maybe we built too high. 
That's just what it means to be a creature. We're made to fit into a created order. God, the creator, made all of this and plopped us into it. And, and so we're meant to ride out those waves. So Ecclesiastes 3 does deflate us, especially at the beginning. And we won't stay down there forever, like I said, but, but it's only because we were, we were so puffed up to begin with. The Bible needs to remind us because we're prideful, because we want to be more than creatures. Often, that's every single one of us. That's me, that's you. It needs to put a pin right in that, that, that bubble to pop us so that we can live exactly where we're supposed to be, right? So we need to embrace that today before we can get into the rest of it. I'm just going to help you today. Um, would you just turn to your neighbor and say, wow, you're very average. Would you turn to your neighbor and say that? Wow, you're very average. Yeah. See, we're just going to embrace that today. Here's why it's good when we embrace that. Remember I said this is a blessing, so now we're going to get into the blessings part. Here's why this is a blessing. When we embrace that everything is temporary, that we are just creatures, we're allowed to not put too much stock into what's happening right now. We don't have to assume that the good times are always going to roll and then be frustrated when they don't. We can enjoy them for as long as we have them, knowing that part of being a creature is spring's going to end, summer's going to end, fall's going to end, right? And then we don't have to be surprised when the bad comes because since we live in a fallen world, the bad is part of the seasons. But what's really cool about that is the bad, even, is not going to last forever. And sometimes we, we can have an accurate view of this world that knows that, that sometimes the bad immediately follows the good because the good's not supposed to last forever, and the bad might even be a direct cause of the good, or, or directly come from the good. So an example, who's ever been to a little kid birthday party, which is wonderful, and then by the end, the little kid is crying and sad and, and maybe just a little bit of a monster, right? The very good thing, the birthday party, all the attention on them, wonderful things, was the direct cause of what happened afterwards. So that's, that's just how it is. That's all we're doing. We're saying this is how it is. And the sooner we can recognize this, the sooner we can inhabit time. I alluded to this, but here's another tremendous blessing of being a Christian, of knowing that we're creatures made to inhabit time is we can endure the bad times way better than people who don't know the Lord. Because we know that someday, those also are going to end. So there's a few examples of this. Maybe you've been through a specific circumstance where it just kind of like came up on you. Right? A bad thing that just happened. And you're just like, wow, how am I in this? But what happened? Like, you're here now, right? So it came, it went, and now you're here. You survived. So you can look back on that and go, oh, okay, well, now I, I can risk. I don't, I don't have to worry because the Lord took me through that and he can take me through unforeseen stuff again. Maybe it was something you anticipated and you drove yourself nuts. You made yourself anxious, worried about it. And then how many of us know that experience of worrying about something so badly and then you actually hit it and it's like, oh, well, that wasn't nearly as bad as the worry was. But now I'm worried about this next thing recognizing you're just a creature, you're subject to forces out of your control, helps you to not to be anxious. Maybe it's something you're still enduring right now. Maybe it's something you're actually in that, that isn't over. Maybe you're still just experiencing the effects of something that have happened in the past, right? Relational issues that just, they're just not going to go away. There's consequences for that. Maybe it's psychological issues. You were hurt and you're, it's hard to get that out. Even if the Lord does not grant you relief 
in this life, it will end. It will end. Everything is temporary. That's a wonderful message when you're in a terrible situation. What, we just had a baby. We had our fourth. And I think probably every day, she, it was probably her hardest pregnancy. Probably every day I remember saying to her, you're not going to be pregnant forever. Right? And I think that's what she needed to hear. You're not going to be pregnant forever. And that's the truth. I can say that. This, even this is temporary. And that's what it takes to endure. So it's a blessing to us. It's a blessing to us to recognize that we are temporary. And finally, one more blessing that comes from, from recognizing we're temporary is then we can have an accurate view of ourselves. Remember I said we all need to be popped a little bit so that we go down to noticing that we're, we're creatures? That allows us to have an accurate view of ourselves. It helps us to avoid burnout, which I think is so prevalent in our culture because we're trying to live above the creature. We want to be like super creatures. Right? And that's why there's a huge market for just like hustle culture and um, maximizing yourself and adding technology right, to make yourself even more than a person. And then we're, we're wondering, why are we so burnt out all the time? It's like, well, you were, you were made to need sleep and you were made to need rest. Right? The quickest way to avoid burnout is to recognize that we're creatures. We have actual limits and your limit might be less and what someone else's limit might be. And the comparison game, too. That's another helpful um, benefit when we recognize that everything is temporary is so we recognize I am made to inhabit just my time and my space. And what is comparison? It's, it's saying, well, I, I should be able to do what they're doing. I should be able to inhabit their time and their space. And all that goes away when we recognize everything is temporary. So. When we embrace that everything is temporary, it's a blessed release to just live as a Christian. And in some ways, I've often thought that in some ways, being a Christian, it's kind of like a life hack. Right? Philippians 4, 11 through 13, very commonly quoted passage. Paul's life hacking. Find it here. There we go, just one thumb. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That is a person who has embraced the fact that everything is temporary. When it's good, great. When it's not good, okay. I can do either of those through him who strengthens me. So that's, that's our first point, right? Everything is temporary. And yet, that's not an exclusively Christian message. So we haven't gotten there yet. We haven't gotten exactly where we need to go. Because you could embrace this message and not be a Christian and still go off in a number of different directions. And, and in our current worlds, um, I see two main ones where that tends to happen. So the first one, and I say our current, our current world, honestly, it's the same philosophies that have been going on forever, okay? But the first one, we, we might call hedonism. So the first one you might call hedonism. I embrace that everything's temporary, this is all gonna end anyway, I'm just gonna die, and then there's nothing, so I might as well just have as much fun as I possibly can. Right? These are the Epicureans in the past, and this is a lot of us now. Paul references them in 1 Corinthians, 1532, so this was going on 2,000 years ago. He says, if all this Christianity stuff is wrong, 
If there's no resurrection, if we're not coming back, and this is just like where it ends, he says, we might as well eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That, that could be a logical conclusion of everything is temporary. 2,000 years later, Kesha sings, let's make the most of the night like we're going to die young. The other option we may have is called humanism or something like it. So this is the person who says there is no resurrection, everything's temporary, and yet I still believe that we have an obligation to be good, right? To work for justice, to try to be the best person I can. Another version of this that's actually really popular right now is stoicism. I have a right, I, have a, uh, I need to be virtuous. I need to be master of my own domain, right? Master my emotions, have complete self-control, and that will bring me virtue, which will actually make me happy. None of those people believe that there's anything after this, but believe we have an obligation, or at least believe that they will be happiest if they try to live for a cause. But here's the problem. The message of have fun only works when life is fun. But that breaks down as soon as life isn't fun anymore. And then what do you do? Then what do you do if you can't pursue fun anymore? And the older you get, the less fun you're having. In general, that's what Ecclesiastes starts to talk about at, at the end, right? He talks about, like, when you can't taste, when you, when you can't see anymore, you're not having sex, like, none of these things are happening anymore. That's what he says. It's like, what's, what's it for? What's it for? And th that's what happens if you're just embracing, going after it, having fun, being a hedonist, everything's temporary. So that's, that's not satisfying. On the other hand, doing good, being virtuous, you can still do that into old age, but that gets exhausting when there's no end, or when there's nothing after this. Because the reality is you live in a mixed world. Virtuous people don't always flourish. Justice doesn't always come. And at the end of the day, you don't have a reason for what you're doing. You can justify it, but it's all in your head, right? If you've denied that there's anything outside of you, there's no good reason for what you're doing. Or what tends to happen in our culture, is we've, we've eliminated any reason beyond ourselves for doing anything, right? There's no God, there's no absolute truth, but we still firmly believe that we should be on the right side of history, that we should be correct. And so we, we run ourselves ragged, trying to be good enough, trying to be on the right side of history, and we're terrified. We're terrified of stepping out of line because we're terrified of getting canceled, right? What is cancel culture? But it's, it's saying, I'm right, I'm trying to be virtuous. It's trying to justify ourselves. And so we, we justify ourselves by canceling others. So that doesn't work either. Doing good, being virtuous, being a stoic, humanism, any of that, that doesn't work either. And so, so what do you have left? We're going to get depressing again, but it's just because I, I want to pull this thread, go as far as it can go to say, if we're just going to go down the road of everything's temporary, it's going to break down. It's going to break down without something else that's also in Ecclesiastes. If you keep going down this road, eventually you're going to find out there is nothing. Like, if everything is temporary, and I'm trying to just, just live for this world, but this world's going to end, eventually it has to dawn on you this isn't going to work. And I think that's the world we're in right now. A lot of your friends and a lot of your neighbors and a lot of the media that's coming out is getting more and more and more cynical. Because I think that's where this message eventually leads. There's a band that... Um, called the Arcade Fire. They've won a Grammy. They've been around a while. They put out something recently. And I, I feel like it just captures the spirit of the age. These are your friends. These are your neighbors. It says, fight the fever with TV. 
in the age when nobody sleeps, and the pills do nothing for me in the age of anxiety. We can't stop crying, and we really think we mean it, but the tears just fall on the sheets. Another lost soul, just trying to feel something, trying to feel something, trying to feel something in the age of anxiety. That's somebody who has embraced that everything is temporary, and yet has nothing else to go with that message, and has spiraled into just depression, and just trying to get by. But it's exactly at this point that we as Christians have a hope that the world doesn't. This is where we will get to shine a light. Because hedonism and humanism, they don't last because what you have to do is you have to constantly suppress the eternal ache that we have in our hearts. We can't live like this is all there is because we know that this isn't all there is. And Ecclesiastes 3 teaches us that. So that's why we have to bring in the other side. Everything is temporary, and yet at the same time, nothing is actually temporary. So let's, let's go through 9 through 15 now, okay? This is what unlocks it. These, these verses, 9 through 15, act as the lens that we then put back on the first section to make it possible to live faithfully in an oftentimes frustrating world. So in verses 9 through 10, Solomon's compelled to ask, after talking about all these seasons that end, he asks the obvious question. He says, what's the point of it all? But then he gives the answer in verse 11. He says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. Solomon recognizes that the seasons are beautiful because God made them to be. Time is, is something that God made. And he blesses it. It is a gift to us. So we can be thankful for it. We can be thankful also that he controls the seasons, that he's over it. So the temporary is blessed because an eternal God stands over it. That's why we can inhabit time and be blessed by it. Because we can know that we're creatures, but there's a creator. And he stands over everything. And in verse 11 also, it says the other side. Verse 11 on the other side, it says, also he has put eternity into man's heart. Also he has put eternity into man's heart. Deep down, we all know that there's an eternity. Believers and unbelievers. And that's, that, that is what actually compels us to live here. I don't actually believe that any unbeliever like, truly believes that none of this lasts. Because other re otherwise there'd be no reason to get out of bed. But, but people, all of us, are compelled by this eternal ache, this recognition that there is something, there's worth to the things we're doing now. That's why we build monuments that are meant to last well beyond us. That's why we name things after ourselves. That's why we fight so hard for political causes, even though we claim it's just for this world, but we, we genuinely think that there is something that lasts beyond this world. And that's a gift. That's a gift because that helps us recognize that there's a God who's put something in us. If any of you are grandparents, there's something that happens in grandparents. We got a bunch of them, okay? Family situation, yeah. There's something that happens with grandparents. You might have been like an average dad, but you become a granddad, something just clicks. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. So suddenly you just wanna buy candy for like your grandkids. We just like are constantly giving away candy, it feels like. The point is something happens when you see that grandkid and you recognize, man, time is short and this person's gonna outlive me and this person's going into the future in a way I can't. 
And it compels you, that eternal ache, it compels you to do something with the temporary. And yet there's a tension. God does not let us see the whole picture. It says, God has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to end. This, this is a bit of a tension. It's a frustration of being human. The fact that we're both finite and infinite, that we're temporary and yet eternal. We're made for something more, and yet we can't see beyond, like right here. And yet verses 14 through 15 give us hope, even having to live in that tension of being here. Here's that hope in verses 14 and 15. It says, even if we can't see it, God and his works and his ways last forever. And even more than just lasting forever, they've, they've always been, right? Ecclesiastes 3 says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. What that means about your temporary season even when you can't see beyond it, is that there is nothing wasted. Whatever's happening in your current season, even if it's challenging, there's nothing wasted in it. There's something, something that God is doing in your season that's going to last forever. It says nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. That means every part of your season is purposeful as well. You don't live in a world where there's random things happening to you. You can know, if I'm here, there's an eternal purpose for all this. God was in every single moment of it. And so you can take heart. That which already has been, that which is to be already has, or that which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. God has known it, ordained it, established it, is going to bring it to pass, and, and it's going to ripple on for eternity. Here's the blessing. Here's the blessing of living in that tension, of everything being temporary, but nothing being temporary, of us being creatures stuck in the middle, is we, we don't have to wonder if there's a God who's waiting to find out what's going to happen. We don't have to wonder if we have a God who has regrets. We don't have to wonder if even by our poor response to this situation that somehow we're going to mess things up. You have a sovereign God that's guiding the temporary exactly where he wants it to go. So in the end, Evil is not going to be forgotten, and your faithfulness isn't going to be forgotten either. So, God keeps us in this tension. Everything is temporary. Nothing is temporary. And then he gives us a solution for what to do. He wants us here because he needs us to know that we're humans for our benefit. He says he, he wants us to fear him, to recognize that he's the creator. But here's the question you might ask, what are we doing then? How do we live, right? So we've got this tension. How are we supposed to live? What is the solution to living faithfully in a frustrating world? And it's this, 12 and 13. This is like the thesis, the summary of this whole passage. I perceived that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man. So here's the summary. Here's how to inhabit time. We lower ourselves from trying to break free from the cycle and try to figure God out and instead submit ourselves to this theme that has been echoed over and over in Ecclesiastes. And it's this. Be joyful. Do good for as long as you live. Take permission to enjoy 
the food that you're going to eat this afternoon. You're allowed to do that. Enjoy whatever God's doing in the midst of this season for as long as it lasts. Make it clear that you're seeking to honor God in the midst of it and knowing that whatever that you did that is from him and to him and through him is going to ripple for eternity. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. So it's this tension, actually. It's actually living in this tension of everything being temporary and nothing being temporary. That's actually the key to making this life livable. Remember, if only everything is temporary, there's no reason for what you're doing. But if, if only nothing is temporary, then we're frustrated that things keep passing us by. Guys, this is what there is, but this is not all there is. So this is what there is, but this is not all there is. And finally, here's where the gospel becomes very, very apparent in the message of Ecclesiastes. Because even this message that we've been giving has a bit of a caveat as well. So we haven't, we haven't even pulled the thread all the way where we need to go. Living in light of eternity implies that you're going to have a good eternity. So again, you could be a person that says, yep, everything's temporary, but yep, Everything's going to last forever. But there's a caveat. When we die, we're going to face judgment. That's what's standing between us and eternity. And no matter how much we enjoyed life, no matter how much we ate and drank and were merry, we know we won't measure up to the God that we're going to meet who stands outside of time. And yet, there was a creature who lived under the sun in exactly the way that God intended us to live. There was and is a person who lived in this tension as a creature, exactly how God wanted him to live. And this same creature also died for us and took on the wrath that was due for us. And this creature is also the creator. So Jesus, Jesus, when he rose again, when he lived and when he died and when he rose again, what he did is he bridged the gap between the creature and the creator. He, he made this tension make sense. And not only that, but he gave us a, a hope and a confidence that what is going to happen for eternity is going to be good for us. And so in light of that, in light of Jesus building a bridge for us between us and God, between the temporary and the eternal, in light of him making it clear to us that on Judgment Day, we're going to be okay, that's why we can spend our lives living in the tension between everything being temporary and nothing being temporary. If we had time, we'd look at the more verses, 16 through 22, which starts to give different examples of frustrations that come from living in this world. But what we're going to do, is I'd like to end our time today by taking this new lens that we now have, that we've gained, and I want to put it back on our earlier verses, okay? So we know that everything is temporary, nothing is temporary. When we have the whole complete lens in light of the gospel, those first eight verses that were a little bit depressing, how do those come to life? How, how, how is life now livable in the midst of that when we know the gospel, we know the whole truth? Here's how. We can revel in the regularity in the predictability, in the beauty of spring, of summer, of fall, of winter, 
of spring again. When a season is ending, we don't have to be like, oh man, summer's over. We can rejoice in the fact that fall is coming. We can mourn death truly because it means the end. But at the same time, we don't have to fear death because we know for us it's not the end. We can fully invest in the place we're in now. Even if you're here for like two years, one year, six months, you can say, I'm, I can give it my all right now, not waiting for later to do that, knowing that even if and when you've got to pack up and move and someone undoes everything that you did, what you did was not wasted. It's eternal. It ripples on forever, forever. And then you can invest in the next place as well. You can draw near to God when your present reality is really, really hard. And you can take comfort in the promise that it's not going to be forever. It just won't. You can go on vacation without making yourself more stressed out than you were before you went on vacation. Because you don't have to hold on to it and go, this is my vacation. This is when we have fun, right? It's going to end. It's going to end. But it can be good in the midst of it. If you're like me, you can once a year watch highlights of the 2016 Chicago Cubs win the World Series, and you can enjoy every minute of it without expecting that somehow this is going to change my life, right? It doesn't last, but it can be enjoyable. In every season, we can appreciate that God gives sinful creatures like us small tastes of eternity without at the same time feeling like we've got to squeeze out everything that we need out of this world. Because we were never meant to. Because guys, temporary pleasures, they're just that. They're temporary. But they're still pleasurable. And on the other hand, difficult seasons are just that. They're difficult. But they end. And every, every small taste of temporary joy that God gives us is a gift to us that reminds us that he's going to multiply that joy times infinity forever. That's the hope and the promise we have. And every difficult season, he's going to redeem. And someday, someday, you will get to look back on that season, and you'll get to see exactly what God was doing through it. Won't that be glorious? Church, this is what there is, but this is not all there is. Everything is temporary, but nothing is temporary. Everything and nothing is temporary. Why don't you pray with us, with me? Father, thank you for this truth that is so hard to embrace and yet is the key to living in an oftentimes frustrating world. I pray that you would help us today to embrace that we are creatures and that that would be good. That'd be so sweet to us to go, man, this is, this is all I'm able to do. And that's what you made me for. And yet also help us to take great hearts and to be motivated by the fact that nothing is temporary. Caring for my kids today is not temporary. Caring for a sick relative is not temporary. Simply enduring a trial, going to work and living faithfully under a difficult boss, that is not temporary. Give us strength to live in that tension, Lord. Give us joy and thank you that someday this will end, but it won't end. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.